0: everybody, and welcome back to The Scrapyard. I'm your host, Nathan Mulepolder, joined here by Taylor. Howdy. And Xavier. There's a card in the new Magic Set that allows you to search for any number of Minotaurs in your
1: deck and put them on the battlefield immediately. That's kind of cool. You know what else is cool? And we're going to be talking about the Breakable Barriers Tournament on this episode of The Scrapyard. Roll intro.
0: <laughs>
1: but before we get into it, I just wanted to mention that if you want to follow us on Instagram or Twitter, you can do that at Scrapyard Media. Additionally, you can play games with us on Xbox or Steam at Scrapyard Media. And finally, don't forget, you can obviously listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, especially where you're listening right now, and even on YouTube where you can get clips and more at Scrapyard Media. Okay, so the Breakable Barriers Tournament just happened. Uh, it was pretty great. Featured some big streamers and pros. It was an Open Division game. And it was just like fucking fun.
0: Yeah, so Open Division just kind of like Open Division. Uh, I think the biggest Open Division team people would be familiar with is Clockwork Vendetta who ran through Open Division, got their way into Contenders with like their crazy like May Roadhog Torbjorn kind of thing going on. Um, but Breakable Barriers is just kind of like a came out of nowhere first of all and it featured like a lot of really big names former pros everybody would know like xqc jake custa performed in it we had like just straight streamers like kefri fran um harblo was in it and it was just like there are a lot of like really interesting names involved uh sleepy somebody else you'd be familiar with silk thread who uh is doing some in apex legends and it was just like you know a nice weekend tournament and I thought it was really interesting. It was definitely more low, low stakes, but it seemed like a lot of the reaction online was fans talking about how it was some of the most fun they had watching Overwatch. I know the stream had like 100K viewers, and that's like a good day for the Overwatch League to have mm-hmm. like 100K viewers the whole time. Um, and it just seemed like an overall really interesting tournament and an idea of bringing together all these streamers and just former pros and just having them compete in a tournament and it seemed like even the competitors themselves had a lot of fun like even people who you see constantly complaining about overwatch were you know playing in this and are like oh wow this is like the most fun i've ever had so i guess it really does kind of raise the question whether or not these type of tournaments um would be effective whether or not this should be something that blizzard truly invests in and maybe has like a monthly breakable barriers in the off season or you know tries to incorporate some of their already established pros into breakable barriers as a way to drive off season um interest because you know the off season there is that dead spot where it's just boring as sin yep mm-hmm. um and you know you want to keep your name out there you you, you don't want to fall off the face of the planet like you want to have a constant engagement rate or whatever like social media managers say
2: yeah so i think what's going to help is if blizzard did put in the time and investment into these kind of tournaments in the off season and even if they brought them into the like main season i think having people who are on the bench especially since it's like this season is a lot more taxing it'll allow players who maybe aren't playing As I found out, New York has like five games before Atlanta even has like their first. So it's like, you could have a bunch of the Atlanta guys like, hey, we're going to do a little, we're going to be involved in a tournament while all these other teams are off busy in the season. We can have some time to just kind of chill and hang out and enjoy some time. it will let people on the bench and it will let there be more things happening where it's like... I understand tournaments these teams all can be prize pool cool and it's not like the struggle of trying to find, like keeping up with like contenders or if you don't watch overwatch it'll let you like overwatch league it'll be an easy way for you to still find these people that you enjoyed that are probably streamers like pine and doing these kind of like maybe Centered on just sniping, hit scan tournament, or insert different type of tournament, where it's like just enjoyable things to watch while you're not in the main league spots.
0: Yeah, Blizzard does like kind of not really allow a lot of like interesting tournaments. They kind of have like a a very they're very sanitized, especially compared to other scenes where you find like you know a lot of grassroots tournaments. I think Blizzard is weirdly anti-grassroots. Like, not completely. I think that this Breakable Barriers is definitely an example of, like, the grassroots nature of esports, but there's, like, a lot of things Blizzard do that's, like, antithetical to what people believe esports is. And I think Breakable Barriers struck a chord with so many people because it felt... It didn't feel corporate. It felt like a community-based thing, and people are attracted to that. And I think Mm -hmm. there, there are three things that really make people want to watch sports you know it's either there's going to be stakes involved Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or there are names involved or it's a fun concept you know and those are kind of the three things you need to have you need to have one of those things you know in strong order in order to get people to care and I think Breakable Barriers had the name factor of having dudes like XQC, Kefri, Harblow people that everybody wants to see in a competitive setting right and it also had just like a level of fun and i think that that's one of the things that overwatch league could use in the off season is some of these more fun aspects like all-star weekend is very fun and mm-hmm. i and i think that even though the stakes were minimal i thought like stage playoffs were another way that it was fun and mm-hmm. you add and you know you artificially added stakes the stage playoffs didn't mean anything no one's going to remember New York stage playoff wins. Right. They're going to remember London and San Francisco winning the Overwatch League. hmm But the stage playoffs artificially raised stakes, so when Shanghai did something neat, it was like, wow, oh my God, Shanghai did it. Yeah. And Breakable Berries has that, where it's not necessarily high stakes, but it makes up for it in the fun factor of this, you know, out-of-nowhere tournament. It's, you know, just a bunch of people tr- having fun. Nobody's like, they're taking it seriously, but they're not like, playing for their jobs Mm -hmm. right and then it you know it has the star power of you're getting basically some of the biggest stars in overwatch like i would imagine if aimbot calvin who was the biggest overwatch streamer before he stopped playing overwatch if there's a breakable barriers where he's in it that's going to be the most viewed overwatch thing of the year regardless and that's so important in the off season if you can keep overwatch's name because every other esport is on the come up league of legends is still bigger Dota is still bigger. Rocket League is getting bigger. You know, CSGO is still bigger. And Overwatch needs to cement its space within esports. And I think these off-season tournaments allow it because there will be pushback towards mm-hmm. the Overwatch League simply because it's so corporate. Yeah. And e- you know, gamers and esports in general are very, like, anti-corporate. They want it to kind of be their own. And th- yeah, there is a conflict there, but it was just a dope
2: tournament. I think... Also, it helps just really letting people get to know some streamers that maybe casual fans of the league wouldn't know. Like, obviously, XQC had been in the league for like a short amount of time, but also most people know him as a, a fan of his streaming and his Twitch and all of that. So it really helped broaden the connection between like league pros and then these pro-level players that just don't want to be in the league. But they want to still help the league in some way. And it's would be nice to have sponsored events with this kind of attitude and letting Blizzard put the money into these things to keep Overwatch going. And if they want the Overwatch League to thrive, they need to keep everybody in check with contenders, with collegiate, with tournaments, and with just in general keeping the connection between streams and, like, the League itself going. Because they already kind of do that with, like, certain event skins, where it's like you watch a certain amount of hours of the sponsored, like, Twitch streamer, you can get special sprays. And they do that already with the game, but they need to put that and combine it with, like, Overwatch League. And that's goes back to what we've said before, where it's like there's Overwatch and there's Overwatch League and they're so very separated.
0: Yeah. And the best the best streamers are not the best players and the best players, most of them are shitty streamers. Like, you know, a lot of the right. best pro players, you watch their stream and it's boring as sin. You know, like Super Space is an alright streamer, Sleepy's pretty cool. But like once you get past those, like a lot of the dudes that regularly stream are like Garbage streamers compared to the people that stream stream. Like Fran, she's a great streamer. XQC, great streamer. Kefri, great streamer. They're really good players, but streaming is a whole different skill set. And it's genuinely difficult. And I think another interesting... You know, just bouncing, broadening this discussion towards incorporating like the stream and the pro communities and stuff. I think Overwatch could be more open to the idea of pro skins. And and skins. Like non traditional skins, because Counter Strike, they have skins for like their top level streamers. They have like special in game items that are pertaining to like the top level pros of the top level streamers or teams. Mm-hmm. And in the Overwatch you really just have the home and away skins and then the Jonak skin.
2: And, and the, the inevitable Sinatra skin. Sinatra yeah. skin. But right. like And shock and London skins. Yeah. That but that's coming. not
0: enough. I don't I don't think that's enough. I think there's so much more opportunity to have a, you know, XQC design an entire skin or something. Mm-hmm. Or, or have this opportunity to have a Kefri skin, strike a deal with him, or have a Fran skin, or just have random players. Like, oh, hey, you know, Baby Bay, you're popular. Dogman, you're popular. Erster, Jonak. Aming. Aming, Jehong, like, you are all popular. Let's just have you guys have more skins in the game
1: or put out saying like you know they have golden guns for like when you're playing ranked yeah. put out like oh twitch streamer guns where it's like oh if you get a certain amount of hours streamed you can get this or Purple like you can gun. get something like you know or just like a more unique skin or like even just weapon skins unique to players so they don't have to make a whole character skin for each of these like players yeah like there's so many you know there's even, options like, like in Rainbow Six, they have like those charms
0: on the side of your gun. Yeah, like that's totally something they, you could. I have. mean, just for one, mean, one of their
1: biggest streamers, uh, Matimio, he has his own charm in the game, and I mean, you have to like sub to him on Twitch to get it. But that was the deal they made. Like, yeah. but still, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, here is a streamer. We understand that like people in the community love him. Let's do something based on him.
2: Mm-hmm. I would rather have like skins or like things that are from players that are in the league and or a league adjacent or even sprays that sprays are inspired be, yeah. by yeah. them instead of having to see, like, another JoJo reference and, like, I don't know, Mercy has, like, an Elsa reference in the spray this, like, this winter wonderland. That,
0: that, that spray is kind of lit, though. It's not, I'm not it denying is. it. As like I'm, I'm,
2: I am I like that they're bringing in, like, the pop culture and doing these, like, references to, like, anime and, like, it would be we also cool it if community. it's, like, hey, this Zarya spray, Sinatra, like, designed it. Hey, this Tracer spray, spray this person designed it etc etc this zenyatta spray we got jonak and then we have the Hong one and they can be like the like interchanging like mm-hmm. matching kind of things that they already do as sprays and i think that would be a perfect opportunity to just slowly
1: i can already see doing like a Zari one where she's either holding up like a heavyweight belt or putting on a belt and it's like a gucci belt but not really like it's with sinatra's initials instead
2: yeah, yeah. and
1: it's you know and it's just another fun way to because i know with overwatch 2 they're going
0: to they're gonna change how they monetize. I don't think that they're gonna stick completely to the loot box system.
2: Yeah. You know, and
0: I think that if you're gonna do that, a cool way of doing that is having skins and like little charms, or whatever that you can buy, that are related to the the meta Overwatch community, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and use that because yet again, you, those little things add up. Like when I when I saw that about Counter Strike, I'm like, oh, that's like super neat that they show love to their community members like that and they have all these little things
2: more community centered like things would be great just a few more like oh hey the fan wants like a fan like it's really cool that there's overwatch league fan that's deaf inspired a winston emote do more things like that like that is super cool and that's when it hits people and that's when it's going to be more like more homage to like fans and people who were like hey it would be really cool if you included this because like my like kids like deaf and it'd be really cool their favorite character is moira can you please have her do like sign language that says hi my name is moira that'd be really cool
0: yeah because esports at its core is no matter how big it gets it's still going to have that grassroots community vibe you know mm-hmm. it's like every every niche sport ever Mm-hmm. no matter how big they get there's still that connection to its underground grassroots vibe and that's why breaking barriers connected so much because it it brought all those
1: it felt like a community event mm-hmm. and i think blizzard should definitely be able to have more community stuff yeah and you know unfortunately we have to move to a little more of a less hopeful message but i mean i won't say it's like you know the worst thing uh, akm came out and talked a little bit about, like, his feelings on the league format and on the league itself, mostly on, you know, just problems with the league. Like, one of his big points was that there's not really any time to catch up if you mess up early in the season. Yeah, that's that's a very valid point in terms of, like, a league system.
0: So first, yet again, it's very important to say the Overwatch League is based on American sports. Yeah. Right. It's an American sports league at its core. It's global, but if you look at how it's structured and what they're trying to do, they're copying American sports leagues. So I think it's important to understand that when we talk about this, we're talking about this, one, as Americans who are familiar with American sports, but also the fact that the Overwatch League is trying to be... American sports league. They're not trying to copy international soccer. Mm -hmm. They're taking aspects, but they're not trying to take it. And I think the league format is another way of taking this, you know, like in American sports, it's not often to have tournaments, right? Uh You know, you have a one season, it ends, you have a playoffs championship game, and then you just do the next season. Tournaments aren't really a thing here in America. And part of that sucks because a lot of sports seasons do end up being the top half everybody's invested in. But halfway through the season, half the teams aren't going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, and and there's not... no way they're getting to the playoffs. And that is bad because sometimes a bad team will improve at the end of the season. Right. But they sucked so much the first 40 games. Shout out to Washington. Yeah, that yeah. they can't ever possibly come back. So that's a genuine concern. And a tournament system is something that basically all other eSports really do. Like even League of Legends, they have a league format, but it's still based around these big quarterly tournaments. You have MSI, you have like the, the summer,, you have, I think you have like the spring tournament, the right. fall tournament, you have world championships, and then you roll you know you run it back. Mm-hmm. So it's the best of kind of both worlds, but it's still all about the tournament. Rocket League. Based around tournaments. Literally everything. (laughs) Based based around around tournaments. tournaments. Yeah, but a league format... I understand AKM not really vibing with it just because... And I'm sure a lot of players don't that, you know, didn't come up watching, like, NBA or NFL. Yeah, and
2: he's from from France, so it's...
0: Because you compete in tournaments. Yeah, that's just how that... Damn, we had a shitty tournament. Oh, well, we have another tournament a week. Yeah. Right. And you have time to, you know, find your footing. Mm -hmm. So I definitely understand that concern i just think it's a difference of philosophy with what yeah. blizzard's trying to do versus what esports fans are more familiar with and you know it's it's different
2: but i think it works in the sense that sure you don't have tournaments consistent consistently and like every chunk of month chunk of month chunk of month chunk of month you have all the teams in together and like battling it out and duking it out and then oh well too bad go on to the next one i think it works better with how overwatch league came out the gate because it's set up very much like basketball which is why going back to the last segment it works with some mid-season Bro, this, tour- is,
0: this is my bit
2: mid-season <laughs> tournaments and because with basketball from what i barely know and only know from Xavier and podcasts that...
0: Shout out to The Ringer.
2: Lis- we listen to.
0: Yo, if The Ringer wants to, like, sign us to the podcast deal, like, hit us up. At scrapyard, scrapyard Media at gmail.com. At scrapyardmedia Media on all socials, hit us up.
2: And... <laughs> and with that, basketball has, like, sure, they have off-season, but there's still stuff happening during the off-season. And if Overwatch League were to do that, then it's like... The offseason doesn't seem as <sighs> drawn out and just boring and like we're sitting here thinking well what are we gonna what are we gonna do waiting for february 8th to start <laughs> games again right and i think with how the league is moving it's going to become more of a good thing that they're not doing tournament style because if they switched it over now to a tournament style it'd be pretty whack but if they started with a tournament style and the inaugural and like last season then it probably would have been more like okay yeah well we get what you're doing and then changing it up in 2020 but i think them setting the president from the precedent from the beginning helps in the long run yeah. right. but i
0: mean they still had a tournament format at least for the first two seasons because they had stages but now they just don't have stages they do have a mid-season tournament, but we don't know exactly what like
2: that entails- how it's
0: going to end up, mm-hmm. and if it if it will feel important by the end of the season. We just don't know. But yeah. the stages genuinely felt important. Like you win a stage, you kind you're you're feeling hype, and it's something right. that you could be proud of. But this mid-season tournament, you win the mid-season tournament, you're not in the playoffs. Like, is it really gonna feel that big? So it's it's an interesting thing. But I totally get his concern.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Another one of his big complaints is that the average salary isn't high enough for the uh, work that the players provide, which is completely true and that there's kind of a low cash prize for the for winning the overwatch league
2: mm-hmm.
1: but for like salaries, so the league minimum is 50k a year
0: but average mm-hmm. is apparently like 90k a year mm-hmm. which is pretty dope because it's 90k a year and you have basically food housing all that stuff paid for. So it's 90 a year, get taxed 30%. So this is 60 a, a year, you know, something like that. Post taxes, maybe. It's fine. Like, it's a fine wage for somebody playing a niche sport. You know, I, right. if you look at the wages in most sports, and this is an argument I saw a lot, if you look at the wages for most athletes on earth, they don't make that much money. Minor league baseball players don't make that much money. NBA G League players don't make that much money. And then if you get even more niche where it's like ultimate frisbee, like, you know, very low level soccer, tennis, Mm -hmm. lacrosse, like those professional players don't make any money. But it's more understandable that they don't make money because the people that own these lacrosse teams or, like, these, you know, whatever teams aren't really pulling in crazy revenue anyway, so there's no way that you can have a revenue-sharing model because your profit margins are so tiny because nobody's going to watch lacrosse games. Right. It's more of a passion project damn near for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might be bankrolled by people that are making good money, but they're not making, you know, Stan Cronky money. But with the Overwatch League... Well, yes, they are playing in a niche sport. I think the biggest difference is the fact that these teams paid $30 million to just get into the league. And most of these teams are backed by people that already have connections and own other major sports franchises. Stan Kroenke owns the goddamn LA Rams.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. Former St. Louis Rams. He... I'm pretty sure he just bankrolled their entire stadium. You look at Andy Miller, he's he's a part of the ownership group that owns the Sacramento Kings, a whole-ass NBA franchise. Yeah. And most NBA franchises are selling for about a billion or more dollar value. like, the people that are investing in Overwatch League aren't. Comcast owns the Philadelphia... Like, these people that are investing in the Overwatch League are not struggling to get by
2: yeah and there's like people that like i'm pretty sure michael strahan j-lo and yeah. those kind of people are also have their money part of in these big
0: investment groups yeah. yeah
2: have their money in a team somehow some way
0: and so for these players obviously we're never going to know without like collective bargaining things going on we're never going unionize gamers unionize these gamers we're never going to know exactly what profit the Overwatch League is, is making. We're not going to know the revenues they're making. Right. But if we look at who owns these teams, I feel like it's reasonable to say that they can afford to pay these players 200k on average, Probably. if not more, because they are the best players in their field, and you're looking at other esports top-level leagues and... Obviously, League of Legends is more franchise, way more popular, but you know some of those dudes are making signing three million dollar contracts. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that these Overwatch teams have the backing to sign these players to these kind of contracts.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If not three million, just because it's unproven, 500k is like an average salary, and people saying, well, they have their expenses paid for, and it's 90k. That's basically spending money. Yeah, sure. If you're looking at it as they're just getting paid 90K to pay video games. But it's not just that. They are providing labor to these organizations that are profiting, hopefully immensely, right. over their success in this league. This is the same type of deal where it comes to, like, college athletes. A college football player that's, like, playing on, like, OSU, that's bringing in his school millions upon millions of dollars is working day in day out providing his labor for what a scholarship or or the opportunity to get a degree when they should just be getting paid what they provide and Mm -hmm. that's the same thing these overwatch league players are providing labor and as workers they should be getting paid what i think is a more fair compensation which is a lot more money, just mm-hmm. based off how other teams. And if these teams can't afford it, then prove that you can't afford it. Like, let us know what what what's you're rocking up? with, yeah, like, like what your the, budgets what's are, are wrong? like. And obviously, you know, the prize money is different. But if you look at how Overwatch League prize money is, I think it's. I don't think it's necessarily like group funded kind of deal. But if you look at you know like DOTA's the in- international, which had a thirty million dollar prize pool or Fortnite's prize pool, Mm -hmm. these are more, yet again, grassroots beginnings of eSports. These are more
2: collectively
0: based, you know, uh, sales of skins in game, and then, you know, entry fees and, you know, raising money to make this prize pool gigantic. The Overwatch League ain't doing that. Yeah. They're doing a different model. So I understand, yet again, a difference in how he came up. He came up in the tournament system. Most eSports people are familiar with the tournament system. But the Overwatch League is more of a league system and I, I think that mm-hmm. a more stable salary might be better than, you know,
1: kind of a boomer bust tournament system. And I mean, that's very true because like with a league system, that definitely is much better for something like a game like Overwatch. Mm-hmm. They're a team. You can't just hope that a team will keep performing as well as it has if they're entirely dependent on on winning tournaments to get funding. If it's like a solo game, such as like Street Fighter or something like that, like you're looking at Sonic Fox, if he's the best and he gets compensated for that, that's fair. Whereas with a team, if you're not paying your players, they're not going to perform well, and then just whoever was the best at the time will remain the best. That's not a maintainable structure to have. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think, you know, There is something to, like, this unionization thing where the main reason why a lot of these sports norms that I feel like people expect with the Overwatch League, like, I I remember so many questions coming up about, you know, why, like, when are league contracts, like, like, how, how, when do we figure out how much these players are making? Right. Or, like, you know, little things like that, like, you know, in terms of transparency. The only reason why we know how much LeBron James makes or how much any athlete makes is because of collective bargaining. And it's because they make these salaries public as a way to negotiate with their teams. So if LeBron, you know, so if some trash player makes $30 million a year, you can go up to an owner and be like, yo, I'm way better than that dude. Sinatra would be like, yo, I'm way better than Haxel. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hot take. But, you know, like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, guys. Uh, But, you know, he can go and be like, oh, I'm way better than this dude. I deserve more than him. And it drives up wages. That's the theory behind it. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of these norms are based around, you know, like, getting together and showing that this league would really be nothing without the players. Right. Yeah.
2: And, again, I'm pretty sure that the cash prize at the end the championship money... Is like it goes towards getting equipment for like the team. It's not like this is what the players are getting paid at the end of the like the championships. Like, sure, maybe like a and little sp-
0: tax. Yeah, like yeah. A l- <laughs> like a little bit
2: probably thrown at like you know some of the some of them. Like here, go buy like buy a team pair of like jackets or a team pair of sneakers or something. Like let's spend a little bit of money on like getting us all nicely dressed for pictures and stuff. And then, like, the rest is, like, we're going to buy some new computers. We're going to buy some new headsets. We're going to buy some new mouse and keyboards. You guys need new mouse pads. Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Where it's, like, instead of... It goes towards the organization in, like, let's get better equipment. So, like, with... At the Like, London probably took that money and got themselves these things. And, like, thinking of San Francisco Shock... Like, they have to come to the Bay Area. That could be money that they're going to put into when they're at the Cow Palace and they're doing this big uh-huh. shock fest That's or whatever. Sure. And they're like, okay, we want to bring out, like, Cal's eSports team. We're going to do a little thing with them beforehand. We're going to bring out some of the, like, other NRG people. They're going to be out here. We're going to get, ven- like, local vendors. We're going to have this kind of stuff. We're going to have, like, a kids zone. This and that. This and that. Who knows what they're doing. But I'm saying if they wanted to do things like this, and that goes for any team... Like, they get the money, and now they're like, we can really show out with insert, like, homestand game. Yeah,
0: it's team revenue, not necessarily player, player. revenue. But there, and there's another thing that I think people seem to forget, is this is a very big thing in, in, in MMA when you look at fighters fighting. Or, I'm pretty sure this is also a concern in WWE, um, but mainly where, like, they're traveling a lot in terms of where they fight, like, you know, UFC fighters. They fight in Florida, they'll go to Brazil, they'll go to Vegas, they'll go to D.C. And these Overwatch League players, they're bouncing around a lot. And I don't know if this is necessarily a problem, but yet again, we don't necessarily know. Right. But there is something to, and it might be like an independent contractor thing, too. But when you do look at, like, taxing, one, I feel like people just aren't taking taxing into mind, like, at all. Yeah. Like, oh, they're making 90k a year with no expenses, like yeah well a lot of that is going to the to the government my dude yeah you know a lot of that's going to somebody else and they still obviously have other tertiary expenses that they need to do whether it's it's loan debt or (laughs) you know helping pay for gas you know for their own personal needs and so yet again all this money ain't just random spending money to go buy McDonald's year.
2: Well, yeah, like, you don't always see, like, Sinatra, as soon as they got to Korea, yeah, he was like, let me spend some money, get some Gucci stuff. He's a world
0: title. Like, yeah, he has the extra money. Obviously,
2: he can, he can spend a little to get a little clout, but, like, most of the time, you don't see these dudes rocking anything other than, like, shock gear from the website. And They're realistically, like, they
0: should all have means to be able to buy that Gucci crap. Yeah. Like, they should be getting paid enough for that's, like, oh, yeah, that's just a regular-ass purchase to me. Like, me going to buy a belt at Target. Like, it should... They should be making that kind of money. Because yeah. they are the number one players, and then that does bring the question, you know. Contenders players should make a little bit more... If the Overwatch League players are making a ton, Contenders should make... Some more. Something. Yeah. Right. But that, you know, that's a whole another thing. I mean, the Overwatch League could be completely in the red for all we know. <laughs> And, like, they can't, they're barely struggling, like, you know, they're like a small business struggling to pay their employees. You never know. It could be a deal. But I totally understand AKM wanting to see more prize money because, you know, if you're not, I don't imagine AKM is making a lot of, like, a ton of money. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, he's looking at Buga, you know, win the Fortnite thing and win three million bucks. Right. And you know, if you're top twenty in that Fortnite tournament, I think you're taking home like at least over hundred k. And he's like, "Damn, I could be doing that." He's looking at League of Legends teams pulling in big ass money off winning tournament. He's like, "Shit, I'm I mean, here playing, and we lost this whole season. I just made ninety k. Like, yeah. like what's going on here?"
1: On top of that, like you have to imagine who knows how long Overwatch League is going to be a thing like and how long these people are going to be able to play Overwatch League like mm-hmm. they have the money isn't just going to them right now they have to think about like what am I going to do in the future so yeah like get your shit in and get out like, yeah shout out to Jake like he, you know
0: yeah he saw like fuck I ain't doing all that global travel yeah and he yeah. became a commentator like <laughs> like you know and I, he I, can
2: I, and he can just straight up say I'm like he, he can just straight up be like I'm not leaving like this area yeah he like can it's, straight up just be like, I'm done. I'm,
0: I'm good. Yeah, shout out to Jake. Shout but, out to Jake for being a genius. Yeah, you gotta make it more viable for your pros. And
2: Custa. Don't don't leave Custa out. Custa also was a genius move.
0: Yeah, he was like, I'm out, dog.
2: I'm Y'all want Custa. me still in the league. I'm- Nobody
0: paid Custa for all the emotional labor he did for those valiant teams.
2: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn.
1: damn. Okay, so now we're going to start our series that we are going to be running for the next seven weeks until... The Overwatch League is back So each week, except for one surprise week Where we'll do four, we are going to be taking a look At three teams and doing a little preview So we are going to be starting off with The reigning champs San Francisco
2: Shock So
1: last season They went 23 and 5 And you know They are the champions as we all know Uh, They've retained most of their roster Except for Nevix And you know, I know Xavier has a question About them I mean, are they still going to be good? Okay, so I have a question for you guys.
0: <laughs> are they even going to be good anymore? I'd
1: like y'all to, especially if you're on YouTube, because I'm the one who checks the YouTube comments, I want you to go down to the comment section and type out one team that you think realistically, with legitimate evidence, will be better than the San Francisco Shock next season. Okay, now that you didn't type anything, let's get back into it.
0: Wait, wait, so let's, let's, let's go through... I'm going to name some teams, and I want both of you to say whether or not these teams can beat the San Francisco Shock. You ready? LA Lakers. Probably. LeBron and Anthony Davis are disgusting. <laughs> it's almost unfair. It's almost like the Warriors got Kevin Durant. That happened. That was stupid, man. The Warriors... Anyway. God damn, that was the crazy. Sh- All right, so, we got Dallas. No. No. All right. Cool. Just want to get that out the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Chengdu. Hell no. No. The tentativeness. What? What in Chengdu's performance from last year, and what that you've heard about them, their new roster? I mean, anything Chengdu like did
0: beat the Shock last year.
1: They yeah. did. There's but...
0: Chengdu's a di- Chengdu's different man. But. Like they're always a threat, but they beat Shock at like Shock's lowest. Yeah, but ch- see the thing with Chengdu, which is why I said Chengdu's name is. Chengdu is either the greatest team of all time or, like, the worst team, depending on just, like, what day. And I think that that's a... I don't think the Shock... Shock is consistently the GOAT. Yeah. But then Chengdu suddenly is better. Like, I think Chengdu is the only team that you look at and you could say, on the right day, they could just destroy the Shock.
1: Okay, so here's the problem. Yeah. This is, like, the chimp versus the human thing. If you give the human a Glock, yeah, it wins. But we're talking a gangster chimp versus a normal ass human like all I'm saying is during that
0: Chinese like tournament thing Chengdu looked leave looked like the Glock that was handed to Chengdu <laughs> and it was just dis- like him and Jinmu like him and Jinmu I think totally match up against like Sinatra and insert person here in terms of the grand scheme of things and I think their support line matches up a little better all it comes down to is if a man is gonna throw or not the answer is yes. yes That's yes. the issue. You know, like, a Mang might throw it for you. Like, we saw it against <laughs> Toronto. Like, a Mang, they they push Toronto... No, they push uh, the Vancouver Titans to map five, and then a Mang starts, like, falling off the map. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, going, cool.
2: He's going supersonic speeds. Dude is in the fifth dimension. Yeah.
0: It's a genuine, like, concern. It's like, will a Mang fall off the map or will he like Will
2: Ming try to get too cute on Volskaya going over that edge as Hammond yes because he just d- d- drilled right into the ice off the, to the left there good job Alman.
0: okay but here are some actual serious teams I think Chengdu is pretty good we have Sol
1: just signed profit. got fits. like again Marvel's really good until I see them play I still believe the Shock has the advantage right now New York. I don't know. I don't know until I see
2: the play. I'm 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 gonna say a hard no. All right,
0: last two teams. Atlanta, the last team to beat the Shock.
2: They
0: they just—they just got a—they got a glock in terms of—they got a glock. They got 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 Edison, and he's like almost. And Erster's already a glock. Gators. I think as of right now,
1: the only Uh, real competition that Shock has is the Vancouver Titans. Who did not fall apart once they lost Bumper? Chill.
0: I mean, like, fuck it, summon Sue.
2: <laughs> if you
0: if you know, you know. Oh, uh, but yeah, the shock. They're they're going to be very good again. I, I just think it ends up being one of those questions of. I don't know, like. Do you start getting complacent? Like these are the genuine questions of like these great teams that don't look like they're slowing down. It's like. Are you just going to, like, fuck up one day? Like, are you going to get bored? Like, what's going to go on? Because, you know, nothing indicates that they're going to be, like, not just picking up right where they left off. Yeah. Instead of four owing teams, three owing teams, and we're not going to see the meme team anymore. Yeah. there's going to be no more useless map fours, but they could just be three owing teams. Like, it's nothing. Yeah. You know, no matter how good the rest of the league has gotten, which I do think
2: the rest of the league has stepped up.
0: They've gotten substantial. Oh yeah, that league's leveled up. Yeah, so I could see the shock not having as many just quick three oh, haha, golden stage type things because GG Nori. Yeah, there are more there are more good teams on paper. And I think on paper is important to say because Philly looks very good on paper. <laughs> but Philly looked good on paper last year. <laughs> London looked good on paper last year. And you know, that's how these things happen. So Seoul Oh wow, you have profit. That might not amount to anything. Mm-hmm. Seoul
1: is one of the most disappointing teams in the Overwatch League. Let me be one hundred percent. They are.
2: They are. Um.
1: And so you know, it's just like
0: we're not talking about them this week, though. Yeah. Everybody got better, but did they get Good that enough. much better? Yeah. You know, and Vancouver really is the only competition. You know, getting Fisher and J. Hong, I think, are two giant moves that push them to the next level. Next to the shock, because Fissure on the Fissure that we know from Season 1 is better than what Super has shown. And, you know, just in terms of just being, like, a, a hard carry, mm-hmm. you know, Fissure is a monster. And it just depends on if Fissure comes in motivated and looks just as good as he should. He should mash Super. And then, obviously, their DPS talent is there. You know, yeah. Axel needs to kind of get over, like, you know, playing scared. <laughs> You like like Sinatra needs... like Haxel needs to like forget Sinatra exists.
2: Yeah. Let Haxel. Yeah, he was have... seeing
0: Ghost that yeah. in the grand finals. Uh,
2: oh man, he oh, was Oh bad. He uh he, he was thinking twenty levels ahead and Sinatra was just like oh bloop 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 thirty levels See, ahead.
0: Here's the thing with J. Hong, and the Shock are like a, a given. But like with J. Hong, because the Shock and the and the Titans are like Goku and Vegeta, like they just <laughs> go together. But with Jae Hong signing, here's the thing. Jae Hong would have never let them pick Brig, map one <laughs> on control. He Jae Hong would have been like, "No, are y'all are y'all really scared of Sinatra that much?" Like he would have never let them go Brig, because oh that God. Brig pick was emblematic of how scared they were of the shock. Jae Hong, is... Hong would. have never let it happen. It, <laughs> yeah,
2: it was so <laughs> Hong would
0: be like no 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 Yeah, it'd have been like nah, B, like we we ain't going out like that.
2: No, it's, it's one of those things where you rewatch. <laughs> I forgot about the Brig pick. <laughs> well, you yeah. go back and you rewatch that, like, that Champions, and just like, well, we had called. Vancouver gets to pick the map. They're calling Lijong Tower. And then we're like, they should be fine. We should have a fun game, seven maps. And then the fucking Brig pick comes out, and you're just like, you picked what? Yeah.
0: And Again, it didn't matter. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're going to try a hard counter game little did we know the hard counter is to die yeah like jay uh, hong would have never let that happen
2: no he really wouldn't have
0: but the shock i mean they're the shock are great and they went and we trained had. in korea
2: they did and uh they yeah, just they
0: played with the gladiators and uh i think toronto is like the only other teams that like went to korea i think
2: and they're and they had just they just finished they had their final dinner of boot camp i think last night or whatever might have been two nights ago and
1: depending on when you hear this this is going to sound very wrong but regardless
2: know it's that Taylor's right relative
0: to when know that
1: Taylor relatively right
2: it is around the time that this comes out
0: time is a social construct
2: the San Francisco Shock spent this past week or so in Korea did their boot camp they had their fun at the beginning they had their fun at the end but I think it's interesting that Obviously they're gonna try to get the boot camp in before Christmas and then New Year's because those are the, gonna be the two weeks that the two weeks that they're gonna have like a solid break and maybe like one more week after and then it's just back on that grind and having to get ready to go. I'm pretty sure San Francisco's playing in New York one of the first weekends or Dallas
0: Dallas. Dallas. First games in Dallas. And okay. then they're going to Ch- uh Guang, Guangzhou, Guangzhou or Chengdu. Okay. One of those
2: Chinese and it's just gonna be back on that like really hard solid let's get this going let's get this let's get this
0: bread yeah Mm -hmm. let's
2: get this bread and i think they're gonna still be a dominant force and it's again we know that they're good because we've seen them in action we don't know if other teams are good because we've never seen all these people work together
0: like alarm could be complete trash and, you know, it'd
1: be like, wow, you know, we didn't expect that. But anyways, speaking of that boot camp, Toronto was also at a boot camp in Korea. The same one, if I'm correct. And unlike the shock, they ended last season going 8-20. and 20. Um, But their roster, woo, besides Mangachu and Logics I just did the fucking gnome sound. Woo! Besides Mangachu and Logics as key players, they lost pretty much everyone else. But they did sign Nevix from Shock, Surefor, Kareev, Agilities, Beast, and Kellex Just stacking themselves up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God, Surefor. So the GM did this interview. GM Jason, shout out. It was an interview for CA Esports. I assume that stands for Canada Esports. Cause yeah.
2: Can't be California eSports.
0: Yeah, it it could be. (laughs) You never know. Yeah, they're just like talking about other teams. Uh, So um, it was a cool interview, and he said some interesting things, and I think that that, it leads to some of the philosophy behind signing these dudes. But so the GM, he said, so Jason said that signing Agilities and Kareev as a package deal was, like, substantially cheaper than just signing Kareev Which, on one hand, doesn't make sense, unless people really hate Agilities for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. Like, goddamn, like, I don't know, Agilities wasn't great last season, but was he really that bad, where it's like, yo, Kareev, you're like, you know, top 20 player, incredible top 5 support, damn, you wanna be packaged with Agilities? Oh, damn. Damn. You're gonna have to take a pay cut. Oh, you're fine with that? Shit. Uh, you know, like, it was. it's weird. But, like, a big one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's very weird. And I think the league fucked up. Yeah. I think that hating Agilities for some reason so much could end up being a big mistake. Because in Season 1, Agilities was very good. Mm-hmm. He was very good on a very good L.A. Valiant team. And last season, he didn't play well. But you can definitely chalk that up to, like, goats being a thing, and then after goats, him never being able to find his footing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he's not like Corey, where just, like, he can spend two minutes on a sniper and suddenly be like, oh, my God, he's great. And then he can go back to Zarya and be trash. Like, I think Agilities needs some time to warm up. Yeah. And so if Agilities ends up being a player on this team and ends up contributing positively to winning Overwatch, that's the biggest steal of the entire offseason because you get an all-star in kareev who's not going to suck right and then you just get agilities tacked on because they're best friends and Ad- agilities ends up being the flex all right not god but like the flex you know that demigod you yeah. that you needed and he fits right in the, the the theory of agilities fits right in with sure foreign logics right and it's an interesting thing that you can just get him for cheap, just because he's packaged with Kareev. Um, and I love him taking the risk on it, of being yes. like, you know what? Fuck it. We like agilities, too. We're going to sign both of you. Yeah. Because Logically, a lot... he
1: for sure will work out. Yeah. I
0: hate you. <laughs> so a lot of GMs might be, like, crying at the end of the season when because they realize, they yeah, up. like, oh, I missed out on Kareev because I didn't want this dude that's actually really good. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's weird to me. That the league hates a Chili so much.
1: Yeah, that is. Why strange. do you
0: hate a Chili? Like, what did he
1: do?
2: He came out to play his best, and then he, he made did. that
1: pun I just made. That's oh, what he did
2: exactly. Like, poor
0: Chili's man. But this, you know, if he performs, oh my god, like it's great. Uh huh. And then another interesting thing on the DPS side is he said that Surefor can play flex, and he could fit in next to Logics. And this also brings up the idea that this, if Surefour sucks, this whole team is just going to fall apart. I think right. that, I think that they're hinging on Surefour being an A plus player the entire season, mm-hmm. and they, it sounds like they're hinging on him being the player. You know, if they having him be flex next to Logics, and that means that they want Surefour to fill these roles that they need him on the DPS line, and also. A lot of the times, the flex player is the center of like the team, right? Because it's just kind of how it ends up being. Sometimes the flex player is better, and Sherfour is going to have to be good on a lot of different things. And he said, even like, oh, if double hit scan is a thing. Sherfour and Logics is works the move, too. Yeah. And so if Shurford doesn't perform, which I mean, he should perform. Like he's really good. But if he ends up being a flex god then him and Logics is disgusting because Logics has always been good. Even when he was on Florida, Florida's game plan back in like season one was basically what they do for Sia player. Now I'm just like, Hey man, hopefully you carry us because we ain't going to help you. <laughs> and then like, sometimes you win a fight. Sometimes you lose. Yeah. And you know, but Logics has always been very good. Logics, please. <laughs> three kills yeah that's even kind of what they did like last like late stage toronto where it was like all right we have logics please <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes he did like you know so
1: hopefully sure so ends up being good so now their entire strategy is just have each of their players sometimes carry the entire team and then by that logic like 70 percent of the team one of them will carry them to victory
2: yeah. well i mean if it works it works. It and works
1: I've, 99% of the time, 100% of the time.
2: And that that's that would be impressive, where it's just like, okay, listen. <laughs> this is we, the
1: Surefour game, this is the Logix game. Yeah, we
2: really need you to go out there for us today. I feel like we talked about that with, like, some other team. I don't it was remember who like it was, that. but
1: yeah. Okay, Nevix, this one's yours. <laughs> it
2: Very well could be. I think having SureFor be more flexi will also make the the roster even out because I do have people that will be on the bench assuming agilities is on the bench. Uh they'll have people that are on the bench that are also flexi and if agilities ends up being just as good as for and they bounce off each other, I think that will really help push this team in a triumphant way. Yes. And they have their solid hit scan and then they have their backup solid hit scan and then again no matter where the meta shifts because like tanks it just becomes shield or no shield and then support The answer is always shield and then support it just kind of well which one has the most healing now but dps is kind of where things switch up the most and i feel like merges in and out of whatever Sometimes
1: DPS is a tank.
2: <laughs> Sometimes. And I feel like no matter what happens now, they have a solid, at least cement flooring to build their defiance off of.
0: Right. And um, so also... That you... was worse. <laughs> the Toronto GM talked about signing Beast, who's very inexperienced but solid tank player has a LAN experience. And he talked about having him with Nevix, who is apparently the greatest player of all time, as sort of this tank duo of the veteran and the young player. And he talked a lot about, you know, how Beast is mature and a very coachable player and how Nevix, yet again, very coachable player, greatest player ever, and can slot in and those two can be effective. And I think it's interesting how this roster is built, where you do have three leaders. You know, mm-hmm. Nevix, a leader, even on the Shock, where he never played. He, he was a leader on that team. Uh, he was an example, standout player, and, you know, in the locker room, not on the field, but he was a standout player in the locker room. And, you know, Shurfor, who was a leader on the Gladiators, and Kareev, who was one of the most consistent players and definitely – you know, kind of a leader and a fan favorite when it came to the Valiant. So you have three people in each position that are high-quality players, work hard, are in-game leaders, and that's something that, you know, teams really struggled with. The Valiant talked about with Custa how important his leadership was to them succeeding. Right. So Uh I think having a leader is important because, you know, you look at bad teams and they don't have a clear number one dude on the team
2: we got moth on the san francisco shock where in every single picture video slash thing i see of him he's just stone cold steve austin and then there's jay hong now on the vancouver titans there's joanac
1: straight up macho man randy savage <laughs> <laughs> who's miss elizabeth
2: uh, we don't i uh, just said joanac <laughs> is the last person so fran joanac is also a solid like older player so it's like there's teams that have these older dudes that are going to really help drive the force of the teams and with Nevix now on Toronto Defiant, I think they finally found that like or, or Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> or I was going to
1: say every Luke needs their Obi-Wan
2: another thing that the GM Jason said is they keep playing Roki every day to get him experience he plays one hour uh, day scrims, despite being a two way player, which is really cool because we've talked about before how many players have come forward and they're like, Hey, I don't get my scrim time. I'd rather be on a different team where they'll actually appreciate me and where they'll actually put me into the game. Even if I'm not the best, I'll get the attention from coaches I need and I'll get the support and from my teammates. So it's really cool, especially going into the 2020 season where they already have this idea of where it's like on paper. They should be able to be whatever sh- very flexible to the meta and then having your like bench players getting time to play getting time to go out and do things will let him not only get closer with his fellow teammates but there won't be a divide when there has to be a change a sureforce sick like of just playing or anyone, it's like, well, now we have this other person that can come in, and he can play for you at this game. And it's like, that's really good for a team where it's, they're still technically a young team, but they're thinking for the long haul of what the 2020 season and beyond will cause on players.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that it seems like, you know, they're, they're going for is... The idea of player development, and and the GM seems to have, yet again, I mean, it's an interview, so he's probably saying, you know, what, what we want to hear, but he seems very into the idea of developing his players holistically and wanting, wanting this to be the best team that it can be. And I think that that's important. I think that that's a great way of looking at it is, <clears throat> you know, we want this team to be, you know, a team. Like, you yeah. know, we, we want them to succeed as a unit. And that's something important compared to just, like, bringing a bunch of names in, being like, hey, go play. Which I, I would believe a lot of teams in the first season and the second season just tried to do.
2: And we saw it. There were eye injuries on the Dallas Fuel, and they had to bring in people who hadn't played. Or
0: I mean, the Fuel are the example of just complete distress, you know. <laughs> Taimu was unhappy on the bench. Harry Hook was happy on the bench, you know never got scrim time it a lot of their players just never really ended up developing super well It dallas just seems like a bad example of just running a franchise other than florida but with toronto it seems like they have a very good eye on development and they've they're willing to take risks i think the biggest thing that that caravan agilities thing says is that this toronto team is not afraid to take risks and they're willing to kind of put themselves out there and in make this team work. But, you know, really just kinda like the only thing the only other thing really from this interview that I thought were uh super interesting is he talked and he said like oh they played like six or seven teams and he feels like Toronto is right in the middle. Which I think Toronto is right in the middle. I I think they're twelve through nine, they're somewhere in there in terms of ranking. They're not number one, they're not number twenty. A lot of people have Toronto like either number five or they have Toronto like number 16. They're like 12, 11-ish. Just a good team. But we, I think their ceiling is as high as top five. Right. I think that they have a very high ceiling just based off of the skill that they have on paper. If things click, it's going to be retarded.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, you know, it's not going to be a uh, easy out for anybody. Yeah. Correct. Shout out to Toronto, though.
2: Yeah, no, I think...
0: Hopefully they don't win eight games. Okay. Well, hopefully
1: they win more than eight games.
2: And, again...
0: They're like fourteen. I, I bet they're going to win... I bet Toronto is going to win... Man, I ain't giving, like, predictions, predictions. You know, we ain't locking this in yet. We got seven weeks. But I'm going to say Toronto about a to mess around and get 15, 16 wins. All I right. can
2: see that. I can see that. Yeah.
0: What, 16 and 12? That seems sure. like an i eight record. Yeah. yeah. They stomp on some... The bad teams in the league, but can't really get over the hump of, like, the elite teams.
2: Yeah, they're going to be that perfect middle ground that we said Soul was last year. The kind of... Good, probably, playoff team, but, like... Yeah. They ain't going to win in the playoffs. And Jason also said, because we mentioned a little bit of sick playing the game, and maybe just sick in general from traveling, they try and stay very healthy. They do gym time, eat healthy... And obviously that's going into the twenty twenty season, that's gonna be very important that these players aren't just
0: playing twenty hours a day because that's what you do, bro. And Grind like, all day, bro.
2: Living on just well, I mean, obviously he said that they drink black coffee, but like not just running on like
1: Doritos <sniffs> mountain,
2: soda and monster energy drinks. Okay,
1: pull out the MLG horns, boys. It's two thousand ten. <laughs> <laughs> Mountain Dew Doritos. What was this? Ha- Hedge. Wow. Yo, speaking of 2010, shout out to
0: C Nanners. <laughs> Smoke weed
2: Nanners. every day. C Nanners is a
1: homie that made it out. The people, you
2: know? who, are, the people who are left on the street. C Nanners is the that...
1: black Bart of. Yeah, he yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, before these take us off course anymore,
1: <laughs> another pirate joke.
2: It's or... good that these teams are kind of taking into consideration what is healthy and what is not brand instagrams <laughs> like you can see Krusty and then like Flora Mayhem's coach Hongjo Sparks coach Shanghai Dragons like lead coach is like in the kitchen like cooking up for all these little like it's, it's, it's very much like I'm like oh yeah Krusty's just the Kakashi for uh, Super Sinatra and- me
1: and you had very different experiences with how Kakashi is as a teacher I thought Kak- Kakashi was tough but fair Yeah. Erika sensei right here, motherfuckers. Uh, Okay,
2: (laughs) Okay. but I'm saying, like, it's that, it's that, like, big brother kind of feeling. Yes, actually
0: being a a coach. Yes, which coaching is far more than just X's and O's. I think the best coaches are motivators, and the best coaches bring the best out of their players. And speaking of bringing the best out of their players, the LA Gladiators. Gladiators! The potential to bring the best out of some players that are kind of. were, were disrespected last season. Sure. Yeah. That's a no word for and it. And also had some uh, weird uh, emotional issues. Shout out to Bird Ring. So the LA Gladiators <laughs> finished last season 17 and 11. And they actually got a playoff win finally. Yeah. And then they got murdered, death by the shock.
2: <laughs> but I mean. They kind of ran into an unfortunate set of circumstances. Yeah, you run
0: into God and you miss. Like, you you come for the king and you miss. So they released... He did not
2: have his David and Goliath moment. They
0: released Surefour, Void, Decay, Hydration as, like, their major releases. But they picked up Bird Ring, Space, OG, Mirror, Paintbrush, Jaru, and LH Cloudy, who was playing on Paris Eternal. So this roster is pretty neat. I think that the biggest thing is... Bird Ring. Yeah. Because it's Bird a big Ring deal. basically just like vanished. You know, he pulled like a Fletta where he just disappeared.
2: And now he's back.
0: But it didn't feel like a, oh, like, where's Fletta? It was like, the fuck did Bird Ring do? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there was like a reason, you know? Um, And yeah, Bird Ring left under bad terms with London. Yeah. And he's picked up by the Gladiators. Gladiators. Gladiators! And. Will Bird Ring be able to be the centerpiece of a team? Because you look at this roster, it's not insane, no. but it's going to be Bird Ring and Mirror most likely as your DPS duo, and you know Space and OG as your tanks. And then right. shout Shaz- out to the Goose,
2: s- shout out to like Space and OG Bird for King. like Space having this like perfect spunky attitude, and OG being like that dude who's like, get me out of here please let me off the Dallas fuel. He just came off that way ever since like the Dallas homestand. And it's just like, this dude does not want to be here. Like he enjoyed the energy of the Dallas fuel homestand, but then immediately afterwards he was like, "Ugh."
0: but this, this team is a far cry from bird ring playing with profit, fury, gesture, Nuss and Podosian. It is a far cry. So I did bird ring. He's an incredible player but did a lot of bird ring success in the overwatch league in the overwatch league did a lot of that success come from playing next to profit and having fury and gesture backing your ass up peeling for you and holding it down was a lot of that success like can bird ring right essentially carry a team as a dps because mirror is dope Why? i don't know much about him but he has dope ass highlights True, but mirror is not profit. I mean, everyone's highlights are dope. That's the point. Yeah, I've seen some some highlight. I've seen some Overwatch
1: highlights where you're like,
2: my favorite is the widow. That's
1: okay. Look, man, but that if, ain't like if you stupid. see my Sage hi- my sage. If you see my siege highlights, I'm a much better player than I really am. Uh,
2: my favorite uh, widow highlight is the one where it's just standing on the corner of the second point of Anubis, just spraying with. My the gun. favorite
0: widow highlight <laughs> is from the gladiators. When Surefour hit that shot. That's the greatest widow shot of all time. That is. That's the Surefour test. Does Birdring pass the Surefour test? If Birdring is in that position, does he hit that shot with all the pressure on him? And I don't think a lot of the times all the pressure was on him because he had star teammates. Exactly. uh, So it's not all going to come... But if the Gladiators start 0-5, everybody's blaming Birdring. Yeah. Well, because
1: it's it's this thing, you know. The whole is a sum of its parts, not... The individual team member is the whole because of the rest of the team. Like he isn't the best player alive just because he was on a team with profit. Like yeah. the actual best player in yeah. the Overwatch League. And it's interesting. It, it's not obviously all going to be
0: on Bird Ring, but I think the the, the way Bird Ring the perception left, will yeah be. the way he left London and now he's on this team. Everybody's gonna be looking at it and is like, dude, was you that? you ditch them. Uh, are you gonna perform? Yeah. And exactly. if, if he sucks, then. You know, OG in space could be garbage at the beginning of the season. Put your money where your mouse is, Bird Ring. Yeah, Mirror could just, like, be shooting, like, you know, the air. Yeah. You know, like, and everybody would be like, yo, Bird Ring sucks right now. Just because of he could his be history. <laughs> yeah, just because of his past. But I think the Gladiators are cool because they still have Big Goose and Shaz. So they have the... The, the brand. The rocks, you know? Big Goose and Shaz are consistently good all the yes. time. They never suck. Yeah. Space never sucks. OG occasionally sucks, but when he's really good, he's incredible.
2: And I think that's going to come down to him being on a team where he actually feels like... Where it doesn't feel like he is the one and only. Yeah. And it's not no longer in GOATS where he... Because he's an amazing main tank out of like a lot of the main tanks we know. He's like
0: a shitty Arisa.
2: But, yeah... But now that it's more of an aggressive Orisa instead mm-hmm. of just, like, stand be yeah. a Orisa's gun.
0: far more mobile. Yeah. Like, at least how she's played.
2: Yeah. So it's, like, I think it will give this team a better chance. And, again, just like we talked with Toronto, it comes down to DPS and how well these DPS are going to mold into the meta. Yeah. And, and honestly, I
0: also look forward to just seeing... I don't know anything about Paintbrush, Like, I'm just going to tell you right now they are what you use to uh, apply I'm paint to surfaces. Fight you. I don't know anything about Jaru. and I look forward to seeing how they do. If they get yeah. playing time, I look forward to seeing how they do because I enjoy when teams like the Gladiator sign dudes that aren't just getting like tons of pub from the community. At least, you know, compared to like Facility or Kaiser who are okay. unsigned. They're signing these dudes and it'll be interesting to be like oh damn, like y'all saw something and y'all took that risk and I I enjoy that. That's why I think when we get to the conversation about the Valiant Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see what the Valiant do and I'm interested to see what London do because those two teams are filled with dudes that I'm like, I don't know who you are.
2: But you saw something. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but like y'all must have saw something. Mm -hmm. It might have been the price tag but (laughs) y'all saw something and I look forward to see how it works.
2: Yeah, and then tying it all back into the, the fact that other than Toronto, Shock and Gladiators are in the same division, as, along with Vancouver, The Valiant, and then The Fuel. The Fuel. And yet again, here we go, with the Gladiators being just that
0: fake talk Fake top tier to team. To team.
2: Where they just they're skirting by with like two amazing teams ahead of them and then like two such I don't mean to say of a mediocre teams underneath them. You know
0: what's weird? I always think this is funny. So, this fake top tier thing started with us. And it's, one, it's like 100% factual. Mm -hmm. But it's weird that like, with Soul, because they're, they're similar, like viewed similarly. Yes. But with Soul, it's just like, damn, Soul so disappointing. But with the Gladiators, it's just like, you are not (laughs) top tier. And it's a weird perception thing of like, the gladiators have always been perceived like soul is soul is expected to be good and when they're not it's like damn like really like this is what we're doing right now but when when the gladiators i feel like they're always thought of as like this incredible team and every time they come up against like a fire team it's like oh yeah that's what happens like this yeah. is all this right here that y'all think is fake and they're still going to be fake top tier they're going to be, you know, probably the same. You know, 17-ish wins, make the playoffs.
1: Are you putting them above or below Toronto? Above.
0: Okay. But that's Above cool. at the start of the season. At but, the very least. But okay. I don't... I think by the end of the season, if Toronto works how they should work, Toronto should be much better. But I think the Gladiators have more of a sure thing. And I only say that because they have Shaz and Big Goose. Okay. And space, who are rocks. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toronto has too many questions. Like, is Nevix the, actually Yeah, a like god? is Nevix a god? Is Sherford a flex god? You know?
2: Are they gods? Yeah, is Beast
0: <laughs> okay, but like we know space is good. Right. We know Shaz and Big Goose are perfect. For the most and part, We know Bird Ring can hit heads. It's yeah.
2: it's a lot of the questions that we have, and this is going into the segment in future episodes. A lot of it's not so much questioning whether or not they're good, like the players themselves. It's whether or not these players
0: will perform well or in a good or position.
2: Are together and mentally working together. And the
0: Gladiators have a history of being good. Yeah. Toronto last season didn't make what they didn't make what they had work for them.
2: And Toronto yeah. had this badass thing going in all their promotional art of like it was so much like a arkham city kind of
0: i mean there were gods in season like in season in stage one it was like oh yo the toronto toronto to they it. made the playoffs they lost to the shock but like, who like cares? damn canada's the new career okay never
1: mind
2: but yeah no i think we're in a good place for the rest of the season
0: yeah these are probably the three like happiest teams we're gonna be talking about <laughs> yeah yeah it's about to get like real depressing next week when we're like
2: when we got to spin the when wheel we and spin
0: we... the wheel of teams and it's like florida dallas boston have at it we're like oh this is rough florida might be lit but i
1: mean florida was supposed to be lit when they went all korean and then
0: there can only be one
1: what there can also only be one of it's one outro but before we get to that i just wanted to remind you guys to check out twitter and instagram specifically twitter because we're gonna have had some polls up uh running for a couple of days now when this gets dropped and there also should be one dropping in tandem with this, about your feelings about the Breakable Barriers tournament. So I'd, we'd love to hear your feedback on that type of stuff. So hit us up on Twitter, at Scrapyard Media. Remember to listen to us everywhere you listen to podcasts. You can pick just one, but we are all those places, especially where you're listening right now. At Scrapyard Media, check our YouTube out. Podcast is uploaded there, but so are some fun clips. And finally, you can come and play games with us on Xbox or Steam at Scrapyard Media. Roll outro.